0: Hello, and welcome to Urban Hood Money Talk. It's a fact that we need money to enjoy life and focus on the things that we really like. I'm your co-host, Ali, and I'm here with Mushi Buyan. Our mission is helping you gain financial freedom, and we're super excited that you're here with us. We are hoping that this uh, session today will be the first in a series. And I think what we're planning to do is to have, if we can manage it with the time that is available to us, to have four one-hour sessions and discuss four chapters in each session so that we can kind of, you know, get through this book together and discuss it and, and share our ideas and our own personal experiences in some of these cases. So hopefully you have a copy of the book the reason that we feel it's important to have these sessions and talk to people is because in many cases you know we're reading these books and we're soaking up this information but if there's no outlet to talk to people or to analyze anything or to kind of make connections between what you're reading on the page and what's happening in your own life, then sometimes it just stays on the page. So we're hoping that with these sessions that we can do a little bit more and that there's a little bit more connection and that hopefully the people who are here and the people who are listening can take a little extra step besides the reading and get more out of it and and actually apply some of these principles to their own lives. So that's why we are doing these sessions. And that's why what we're hoping that you'll be getting out of it. So I'm Allie and Mushi is also here to help with the presentation of this. So we're happy that you're here. Welcome today. We are talking about the book Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And Napoleon Hill did all of this research with lots of different people over a period of 25 years at the request of Andrew Carnegie. I think we all know who Andrew Carnegie is, a very rich man, and he wanted to find out what's the secret to rich people becoming so rich. And he asked Napoleon Hill to help him with that. And so they did 25 years worth, worth of research with a lot of different people to answer the question, how is it that wealthy men become that rich? And of course, this was written in the early 1900s. So when he's talking about men, he really means men. We'd like to think these days that when we talk <laughs> about men, then that means humanity, right? So oh, I... that includes, includes women nowadays. Oh. Uh, but, but back then, that was limited. So I think he probably was really talking about men.
1: Ali, it started, the book started in 1900, 1906. So if you think of that, what happened in 1906, then back then, you know, it was like, you know, they used to look at all the men's world, right? All the men's used to be in in, the main workforce and so on. However, uh, one of the things that I want to clarify, those who never heard about Andrew Carnegie, think of him like today's, as we are sharing today, this, this recording on January 2022, the richest man in the world is, is Elon Musk, the founder of Tesla. And second, the richest man is the founder of Jeff Bezos, founder of Amazon. So, he, so back then, at that time, when the book, he was thinking to write down that, that he was the richest man in the world. That's why you know he thought, okay, if I, I die, that all the things I have done in my life and how I became richest, And and how a immigrant person from Europe moved in this country, he was living in Staten Island as a refugee, and as a refugee who was poor, didn't have anything, and he was the richest man in the world. So why not share that knowledge before he leaves the world? That was his intention.
0: Uh, It's nice that he shared this, right? (laughs) I I think sometimes people have the idea that rich people don't want to share. Rich people want to keep everything for themselves. But the truth is, there's plenty of wealth to go around. So the fact that he was willing to share these lessons with the world and hope that other people could benefit from that, uh, and and become financially successful as well. Um, you know that that's of course a, a really nice thing. Right. One of the things that I would like to say about this, you know, we we all we have a lot of uh, podcasts and and webinars about how to make money, how to increase money, how to protect your money. You know, Urban Hood is really a, a financial learning platform because we believe that we all need financial stability in our lives. So the book is Think and Grow Rich, but one of the things that really appeals to me about this book is that the principles in this book, of course, the book was written for people who want to become rich, who want to make a lot of money, and it kind of gives a blueprint, what can you do to allow that to happen? But I think what appeals to me a lot about this book is that these principles that are described in this book don't only apply to becoming rich but the principles described in this book also can be applied to anything any dreams that you may have that you want to accomplish even if it's not related to money whatsoever any kind of thing that you have always thought oh I wish that I could do that. If you apply the principles that are set out in this book and use this blueprint as your starting point and follow through with it, then you can really accomplish any goal, not just how do I make a lot of money. So to me, that's really, I guess, a draw to this book. That you know, when we change our mindsets, there's a lot that we can accomplish. So, um, I just want to put that out there. Yes, our audience is people who want to know how can I become rich? What can I do to earn more money? But at the same time, there's a lot here where we can improve the quality of our lives in other ways rather than just the financial path that we're walking on.
1: Oh, <laughs> well, it tells you the story. Anything typically you are not a fan of reading any book about money, any book <laughs> about millionaire. I know that. But it took me long time to recruit you, read the book, see it's going to help you to. But yeah. anyway, let's let's move forward. I yeah, need we'll move forward. Yeah, Learn more about it.
0: Yes. Thank you. So the first chapter in the book is about thought right and so he Hill describes a story about a gold miner finding gold in in I think in California in in a gold mine and upon finding a tiny little bit of gold investing so much money and getting a lot of Funding from friends and family to get the right equipment to start digging for gold. And then time passes and time passes and time passes and he doesn't find any more gold. And he ends up selling his equipment basically almost like scrap metal. And he gives up on his dream of finding the gold. But the person who buys all that equipment actually takes the advice from somebody who can, who has studied the ground and who understands how these things work. And what they find out is that the first people who were trying to look for the gold and didn't find it and gave up were only three feet away from where a ton of gold was in the ground. So Hill says in this first chapter, when we're thinking about thought, he says one of the most common causes of failure is the habit of quitting when one is overtaken by defeat.
1: Right. (laughs) So we don't we know uh, so many people uh, work really, really hard. But when things get bad, I guess, in challenging in their life, they give up. So the whole idea of this, as you mentioned, that If you truly, truly desire something and you work hard at it, then it takes time to get there, but don't quit it. Quitting is not an option. If you really want to reach that dream or desire that you, you want to get for your life.
0: Yes. And we should realize that every journey that we take is going to be met with obstacles. Things that are worth achieving are not easy to achieve. So we have to be aware that we're going to be meeting obstacles, that we're going to be met with defeat and failure, Maybe at one time, maybe a thousand times. We often use the example of Edison with his light bulb where he failed 10,000 times and he said, well, that was just 10,000 lessons on what not to do and he didn't give up and lo and behold, there became, there finally came the light bulb. So we should expect that there are going to be difficulties, but when we fail, we can't simply say, oh, well. I tried and I failed, so that's that. Now let me move on to other things. If we fail, we get back up and we keep trying and we try something new. And I think that's one of the most important lessons from chapter one of Napoleon Hill's book. It's the mindset and it's not giving up and not quitting. So Hill says in that chapter, One of the main weaknesses of mankind is the average man's familiarity with the word impossible. He knows all the rules which will not work. He knows all the things which cannot be done. So then he says this book was written for those who seek the rules which have made others successful and are willing to stake everything on those rules. So again, We all, I think everybody, suffers to some extent or another from saying, oh boy, this is hard. Oh boy, this is not possible. Oh boy, this has never been done before. But we see that the people who are most successful in life don't let those kinds of thoughts stop them. They find a way to reverse that kind of a thought process And, you know, then they always say, oh, the word impossible doesn't exist. If you split it up, it simply says I'm possible. So it's the whole idea of changing your mindset and not being bogged down with with all this negative talk and instead realize that anything can be achieved so long as we have an open mind and are willing to look for the ways that it can be achieved. So we need to maintain a spirit of open-mindedness and we need to understand that we have the power to control our thoughts. I'm going to share a personal story here. I am I grew up in the Netherlands and in the Netherlands they have this huge walking event every year that's called the Walk of the World. It's a 4-day walking event and usually anywhere near 40, anywhere between 40 and 50,000 people come from all over the world. And they walk together for four days, usually 25 miles a day, about 100 miles in a four-day period. Men walk more, a little bit than women. Older people walk a little bit less than younger people. But overall, it's about 100 miles in four days. And I had watched that on the news growing up. Every year, this is a big to-do over there. And I had always wanted to do that. And one day, I told Mushi about this whole thing. And I said, you know, I- I've always wanted to do it. And he simply looked at me and he said, why don't you? And then I thought about all the reasons that I had always been telling myself why I can't do it. The biggest reason was that everybody in my family generally said, everybody who does that is crazy. Who in their right mind would want to walk 100 miles in four days? That's insane. And then we get, of course, other excuses. Um, it's it's nowhere near my house. I can't spend the time or the money to do it. I had the idea of okay if i'm going to travel to the netherlands my family still lives there if i'm going to travel to the netherlands can i justify being there for a week when really what i want to do is spend that time with my family instead right so i have a million excuses why this couldn't be done but when Mushi asked me if you've always wanted to do it why do you think you can't do it I found that all of these things that I had told myself that made it impossible to participate in this walk were all just excuses and nothing else. It was all these negative thoughts that prevented me from even thinking that it was possible for me to do it. And once he opened my mind and said, well, I think those are just excuses. I started to realize that yes, this could actually be done. And three years ago or maybe four years ago by now I can't remember exactly but um, (laughs) in the summer in the summer I actually went there and I went on this walk and it was an amazing 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 experience for me so this whole idea of get out of your head stop making excuses have an open mind and think of solutions rather than thinking of problems. It really speaks to me. And I think that's what this uh, this chapter one is all about. We right. have the power to control our thoughts.
1: Right. Like you said, we have the power to control our thought. We have the power to control our desire. And if your desire is strong enough, no matter what, you will make it happen. Think of that. How many refugees, how many people come in this country how many migrated people come in this country every year, every every decades, right? However, from there, when uh, this author, this founder, Andrew Carnegie went through, that it was not easy. If it's easy, everybody would get it. So you have to do something exceptional. It's hard, it's tough, and you are going to get challenged. But the one is stick to those challenges, those hardships, They are the one rise above. So that's what it is that, you know, you have to take all those negativity out of your mind and just focus solution. That's exactly what you did, Ali. When I remember that the conversation, when we had it, it, many times you used to tell me this, that, that, you know, we went back and forth.
0: Then slowly, slowly you opened up your mind. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. So I think it's funny that in this book, Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill outlines 13 different steps to becoming rich, and thought, it, although that's the that's the topic of his first chapter in the book, it's not a step towards the riches, but. In my mind, I think he should make it 14 steps because in my mind, I think thought is really the first step. We have to be able to convince ourselves that this is what we want, this is what we can do, these are the possibilities. So it it starts with thought. And in my mind, we can say that that's the first step towards riches, but um, he doesn't list it as the first step. Like I you said, you know-
1: in the book he mentioned about 13 principle you know this principle of the first one is desire so when you says your desire starts with the thought if you really want to get it then you are going to be controlled those negativity right, right. so just now, everyone is unique you know we have many of you on on this uh, on this live session also listening and you know however you are wherever you are at that you know that you are different. So you know, to, you, to some of you, yes, your yeah, thought is different. Some of you know, thinking think is different. Some of you think, oh, mindset is different. Whatever that is, you got to know why you are doing it. That's why you know, the, you, when you mentioned that a thought should be number one. Yes, it is. That's why it, chapter one, he named it. But principle of this number one principle is the one he mentioned later on. It's, it's yep. with your why.
0: Why do you want it? Yes. Yeah. Why, why you do you want it? This? Your, your why. Right. So if we think about the purpose of the book is about getting rich, <laughs> having a lot of money. So what he says when you're thinking about your thoughts and your and your desires and what is it exactly that you want? then he says, decide on the exact amount of money that you desire. Don't just say, I want plenty of money. Don't just say, well, I need enough to get by, or don't just say, I want enough that I can live comfortably. He says, give an exact amount that you desire, whether that's you know $100,000, $1 a million dollars, $2 million, uh, however much that's going to be. You need to be specific about the amount that you desire and keep telling yourself and reminding yourself of the amount rather than just being vague and saying, I want plenty of it. At the end, he says of this chapter, when riches begin to come, they come so quickly in such great abundance that one wonders where they have been hiding all those lean years. This is an astounding statement, and all the more so when we take into consideration the popular belief that riches come only to those who work hard and long. When you begin to think and grow rich, you will observe that riches begin with a state of mind, with definiteness of purpose. So that's a quote from the book. That's not something I made up. Um, that's, That's just a direct quote from the book. So things will come, Uh, changing your mindset. It was Henry Ford who said, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you are right. Whatever it is that your subconscious mind keeps telling yourself, that you keep telling yourself, um, whether it's positive or negative, you get what you believe. So if you think positive things, positive things will happen to you if you think negative things then negative things will happen to you so that is the idea of changing your mindset
1: you just reminded me something ali that some Mm -hmm. of you may already heard about it laws of attraction you know if you think positive and you are and you also, are think that positive people are going to become in front of you, you know, in your life, and you think all the people are good in this world. People come in your life, they're good, they're there to help you. You'll see a lot of positive things comes up. So you do not make those misconceptions that you know. Think about oh no, you know everybody's bad. No, I'm, I'm getting all these bills coming in. But if you think of that in you know, your money is coming, if it's about money, money is coming in instead of bill. Think of the that that your check coming in think of that effort you're putting that that you're going to get money is going to be deposited in your bank in your account you are going to see that those things those those ways how we don't think about how just have that thought so laws of attraction is one of the
0: things that some people say oh yeah i believe in that yes you're right about that so in chapter two hill talks about desire and he says desire is the first step towards riches. And he tells the story of his son who was born deaf and mute. He had no physical signs of ears. He he didn't have any ears in his head, but also inside his skull, I guess the wiring we can call it, uh, just wasn't there. For hearing, so the child was deaf and he was mute, and the doctors kept telling him, This is the way it is, we cannot change this. He's been born different and he will never be able to overcome this. But Hill said to himself, I don't accept that. I want my son to have a normal life, I want my son to be able to hear. And he instilled in his son that idea that he's special and that he can attain the things that he wants to attain. And in the end, of course, they were able to find an early hearing aid, I guess is what it was. And he was indeed able to hear at the end. So the whole idea of desire, 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 you want something bad enough and then you work for it and it will it will come to you. So desire is the first step to riches that he's describing. Now, he also gave the example of a scientist called Barnes, who actually he wasn't a scientist, right? He was a salesman. Barnes, who wanted to work with Thomas Edison. And In his effort to work with Thomas Edison, Thomas Edison had no idea who Barnes was. In his effort to work with Thomas Edison, Barnes gave up everything in his life to make that happen. In essence, he burned all of his bridges. And Hill says he left himself no possible way to retreat. He had to win or perish. That is all there is to the Barnes story of success. That's what Hill said. So we can ask ourselves, is it necessary to burn our bridges to make sure that if we want something bad enough, that there is no way to go back? And that's a question I think that makes people very uncomfortable because of course there is safety in the known and there is safety in what we have right now. Actually, I know that uh, there's a motivational speaker called Craig Valentine. He says, the only thing that's standing in the way of things being great is the fact that things are good. Why? Because when things are good, we're satisfied. We feel safe things are good, right? If things are bad, then we know that we have to make big giant steps or take drastic measures to turn that around. But if things are good, we feel comfortable. There's, there's comfort in safety. So if we are doing okay with our lives and we want more from it, maybe we are not able or willing to take the risks that should be taken in order to actually reach that next level. So you can ask yourself, is it necessary to burn bridges in order to get to the next level? Are you willing to burn those bridges? But Hill says in the book that in most cases it's necessary. And definitely here in this example, like if if you're not willing to burn your bridges, it's gonna make it more difficult to get where you want to go. But it's hard for us to to do that.
1: So ask yourself, what are you doing when you are down? Are you, or things doesn't go in your favor? If it's easy, anybody would have get, get it. Nothing is easy, right? Elon Musk, who you hear about Elon Musk? That he's a ceo of not one business three four five other business that he's doing two of two public company and other business he has in in the pipeline he works more than 130 hours a week so those are the things that you know whenever we say no it's not for me no it is if you really really put your mind to it back yes. to you ali
0: yeah yeah, I want to get back to the book here. Um, I, I think these kind of connections with what's happening in our own lives and in the in the lives of people today, I, I think those kinds of connections are valuable for us. But let's get back to what he's talking about in the book. When he's talking about desire and he says that there are six very definite practical steps that you can put into place and start practicing in order to make those desires actually come true. And the first step that he outlines is fix in your mind the exact amount of money that you desire. Again, he's talking about becoming rich. If you have other goals in life, it's not necessarily about money, but be specific. We've talked about smart goals or smarter goals in other sessions. So be specific, what is it exactly that you want? That's your first step, write it down. Second step, determine exactly what you intend to give in return for the money that you desire or for the goal that you desire. And so what does that mean? What do you give in return? Nothing is free. Everything takes effort. So what is it that you are willing to do? What is it that you are willing to give up? What is it that you are willing to put in in order to reach this desire that you have? It's not going to be easy necessarily. It's not going to uh, you know, everything, everything worth getting it takes work and effort. So what is it that you're willing to do and willing to give up? That's the second step. Then the third step, establish a definite date when you intend to possess the money that you desire so instead of saying you know at some point in the near future or whenever i can get to it these are things that people you know say when they when they make goals or when they state that there are certain things that they want you know well i guess maybe i don't know by the time i'm 30 or before i'm you know before i have kids or before this or before that but they don't have a specific date in mind. So Hill says, pick a date and stick to that date. Just like you need to be exact about what you want, you also need to be exact about when you want it. And then fourth is create a definite plan for carrying out your desire. And this is something that he's going to be talking about in later chapters. What is this plan? But you can start outlining things. I need to, this is step one that I need to do. This is step two that I need to do. And you can have deadlines for each of these different steps within your plan. A journey of a thousand miles starts with what? The first step. So make sure that you that you can outline and and take bite-sized pieces to work towards your goal right and and make sure that you are also specific in your plan in terms of what it is you want to achieve and what milestones go with which dates what's the time frame okay fifth write out a clear this is a very important write out a clear concise statement of the amount of money you intend to acquire, name the time limit for its acquisition, state what you intend to give in return for the money, and describe clearly the pa- plan through which you intend to accumulate it. So steps one, two, three, and four that we just discussed need to be written out in a clear and concise statement in step five. Does that make sense to everybody? I hope so. So not just make it like, don't just think about it in your head, but write it down in a clear and concise statement. And then the sixth step is read your written statement out loud twice a day, just before retiring at night, before you go to bed, and once after arising in the morning. So when you get up, read it out loud, when you go to bed, read it out loud and as you read the statement twice a day, see yourself as though you are already there. Okay. Any uh, thoughts to add here, Mushi?
1: It is very clear, but one of the thing example I can think of that I know I myself I'm doing and as I am as you are you shared the that a clear example i can say so currently the, i i am working on uh, improving my yoga or the mindfulness the meditation right meditation yeah. correct um, and then uh, what I, I am doing every week that i am spending more more than at least 60 minutes 60 minutes a week that i am I am dedicating myself to put my mind, body, and brain work together to reach a goal of stress relief. All I I want to make sure that that I'm not stressed out. So I did not know the power of mindfulness or meditation before, but this is one of the goals this year I made myself that I want to have less stress, have a better sleep. And mm-hmm. not to rely on other things. So think of that. As I said that, you know, my statement every day when I'm saying in the morning or I, even at night, I think of myself. as a D have I, have I done that? My that put time to work on my mindfulness, mm-hmm. and then it helps me to have my positive thought. Hey, I had time. I could have given. Mm-hmm. I instead of watching. On and show that it didn't really help me to reach my goal i just have to give up something else so or sometimes uh, what i do i wake up a little bit early that to give myself that 10 minutes 15 minutes yeah
0: i think i think mushi that's a very important thing that you're sharing this whole idea of mindfulness putting ourselves in this state of mind that allows us To be both positive and productive during the rest of the day so we may have a lot of different goals all of us you know we're different people we have different desires we have different things that we that we want to accomplish different values maybe but putting yourself in the right mindset at the beginning and the end of the day is actually a really important thing that we should all do regardless of what it is that we are hoping to accomplish or what it is that we want to uh, that we desire and that we want to get done. Right. We can't just go through all of these steps and just hurry, 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 stress, stress, stress. Right. So, mindfulness, that is definitely something that we should all. Try to attain on a daily basis and and work towards on a daily basis and and your day will just go so much better and your week will go so much better and your month will go so much better. And there you have it. All of a sudden you just feel better and better things happen. Back to the book, uh, he says, only those who become money conscious ever accumulate great riches money conscious means that the mind has become so thoroughly saturated with the desire for money that one can see oneself already in possession of it to me this is somewhat problematic because then i think okay how much money is enough you mentioned this before, I'm not one to say, oh, I need $5 million, or I want to be a billionaire. That's not who I am personally. So this kind of a statement kind of rubs me the wrong way. But at the same time, if I if I put that to work towards other goals and dreams that I have, then it, it makes sense. We have to make sure that we basically live and breathe the, the thing that we want in order to make it happen. And he also says, practical dreamers do not quit. It comes back to what he said in chapter one, there will be failures. That's okay. We can stumble and we can fall, but we can get back up and continue going.
1: Magical word is practical dreamers. We are, we all have right to dream, but dream practical.
0: And, and. I guess by practical dreamers, meaning like this is something that we can put actions towards
1: obtaining. Cannot join a dream and expecting that you know you're going to you're going to, you're going to transform. You got to sweat. Right, I can't
0: just dream about being fit and in shape and and nice and lean. I have to put in the work. If I'm a practical dreamer. I can visualize myself in that way. But I have to visualize myself going to the gym and I have to visualize myself eating healthy. And then I have to actually do those things and follow through. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. Yeah. So it's it's not just dreaming and telling yourself that it's going to happen. It's it's putting the steps in place to get them done. Third chapter in Napoleon Hill's book is the second step towards attaining riches, which is Faith. And with faith, he means the visualization of and the belief in attainment of your desire. So again, seeing yourself there and believing this is what's going to happen. This is not something that's impossible. This is not something that's unattainable. Why would it be unattainable? Other people have done it. You can do this too. So see yourself in that position of success that you're striving for and visualize it, believe it. And that's what he calls faith. And, you know, we can we can draw on that when we think of faith normally in, in everyday life, either something religious, it doesn't have to be religious, but often it's this idea of, I believe in things that I cannot see, but I know that these things are there, whether that's religious or something different. We have faith in certain things that they will happen even though there's not really any scientific proof that they will happen that faith is there and that's what he's talking about here knowing without any question in your mind
1: it's going to happen you reminded me something like uh, we always use it it's called gut feeling you know your gut feeling, Your gut tells you not to do it, not to, and you sometimes you do it. Then you start blaming yourself. Faith is also similar to those who thinks. And I had that gut feeling. My gut feeling, or and or I had that strong belief is going to happen. That's also applicable in this scenario.
0: Yes. And so the idea of go with your gut becomes very important. I I agree with that. If you feel wrong about certain things, there's a reason why the hair at the back of your neck stands up and yells, danger, danger. But at the same time, if you have a good feeling about something, if you think, wow, this is it, then jump on the wagon. Don't, don't let the wagon pass you and, and not get on. So have indeed trust that gut feeling. If you have a good gut feeling, don't let it pass you by, but follow through with it.
1: And I wanted to also remind others who is thinking, yes, my gut feeling tells me always gives me the, the negative part. Remember we started with thought is positive part and have, Program yourself that way you can have that positive thought. And in chapter two, he talks about desire and it gives you that six steps. So when you start reminding yourself the, those steps that how you came up with a plan and what desire you, what you're ready to give up to reach that goal. And when negative part comes in, you quickly just snap it out, snap out of it and just put a positive part into it. God feeling or faith comes in. Sometimes people always say, you know, I cannot go there. I cannot go on this vacation because I'm poor. I cannot do this. I'm poor, right? Poor is, has nothing to do what you're facing today. You might be going through a challenge in financially today in the challenge is like that because of the challenge you are, you are broke. Broke and poor is not the same. So that's what it means. Later on, you're going to see in the book, he talks about it, what you can do to reprogram yourself. That way you have more and more positive thoughts that thought comes into it. And you also have to surround yourself with the right type of people. Hang out with the people who already reached there, who, are, who already thought that that's possible. They will never tell you. People who reached those directions, they will not discourage you. So you need to learn that knowledge is the biggest thing that you have to keep seeking and working on it.
0: We touch a little bit on what's coming up in the next chapter, which is auto-suggestion, meaning we can change our mindset, we can change the way we think, and by changing the way that we think, we can change what's happening in our subconscious thinking. So that's coming up in the next chapter. One of the things that that kind of is striking to me in this chapter about faith is that Hill describes faith as an emotion. And I personally had never looked at faith as an emotion, but the whole idea of having faith, I think, means being at peace and trusting that good things are happening. And in that sense, it is a very positive emotion. So when he talks later about this whole idea of our thoughts have to be filled with emotions, I think if he the fact that he calls faith a very strong emotion, uh, I just want to pull your attention to that.
1: You reminded me something, Ali. That uh, you know that my coach is Tony Robbins, one of the biggest uh, motivational speaker in the world and who changed a lot of people's lives, million, million of people's lives. But every time Tony Robbins talk about coaching somebody, mentoring, or make a change, he always say, move, move. You can change your state. How do you change? You cannot just sit there and be idle. You have to move. You have to be in, in motion to make a difference. So emotion is comes from in motion. So
0: this is another quote from the book, a mind dominated by positive emotions. Becomes a favorable abode for the state of mind known as faith. A mind so dominated may, at will, give the subconscious mind instructions, which it will accept and act upon immediately. Then he also says it is a well known fact that one comes finally to believe whatever one repeats to oneself. Whether the statement is true or false, If a man repeats a lie over and over, he will eventually accept the lie as truth. Moreover, he will believe it to be truth. Every man is what he is because of the dominating thoughts which he permits to occupy his mind. When I read that, when I see this statement in his book, it really reminds me of 1984, George Orwell, where uh, the government says one day, these are our allies and these are our enemies. And the next day they flip the switch and the opposite <laughs> people are the enemies and the allies. Um, and, and as long as people keep saying it, uh, these are our friends, these are our friends, these are our friends, those are our enemies, they start believing that. And so this whole idea of the way that you talk to yourself and the way that you repeat your beliefs over and over whether those beliefs are true or false, in your mind, they become the truth. So that's an important thing. And it's, it's important, therefore, if you're aware of that, that what you think may be the truth is not always the truth. So if you have a lot of self-talk and a lot of negative kind of emotions and feelings and outlook on the world, realize that this may be a lie. It might seem like the truth to you, but remember, if it's negative, you tell yourself that it's a lie. And keep telling yourself that it's a lie and find a new truth that is positive and convince yourself of that positive truth and thereby your thoughts will become positive, your subconscious mind will become positive and then everything in your life will become positive. And that's such a strong, strong, strong uh, motivator and a strong idea. Everything in your life can be good so long as you tell yourself that it's going to be good.
1: You got it. I think this is something from the beginning we mentioned that you have to have that strong faith or belief that it's going to happen and then to work towards it, right? Like a uh, example you mentioned about Thomas Edison. He, how many, 10,000 times this man, this man failed, mm-hmm. but he did not say I failed that many times. All he was telling himself, ten nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine different ways. I figure out what not to do to get there. You see the same thing, he used different language. So the word we
0: choose ourselves
1: to confront the challenge makes a huge difference.
0: Absolutely. The lessons that I took away from this third chapter faith is first of all, ask and you shall receive. Um, It's almost like that that movie Field of Dreams, (laughs) build it and they will come, Come, ask and you shall receive. If you ask for a hundred dollars, you might get a hundred dollars. Well, once you realize, wow, I just got this hundred dollars by asking for it. My goodness, why didn't I ask for a thousand instead? Ask and you shall receive, build it and they will come. My second lesson is don't surround yourself with naysayers. I think if you yourself happen to have a tendency to be a naysayer, to see the glass as half empty instead of half full, if that's your outlook on life, then most likely you are surrounded by other people with the same outlook. Because we absorb the qualities of the people that we spend the most time with, so if you you are surrounding yourself with other people who are constantly being negative, who cannot see the positive things and who don't believe that positive things can come, then most likely that is what you project onto yourself. So if you want to step out of that and change your mindset and become positive and go after all these good things and say to yourself, this is possible and it's going to happen, then you need to make sure that whoever the naysayers in your life are, you need to eliminate them. Do they need to be your friend? Do you need to get a new set of friends? It's maybe a little bit more difficult when they're family members. Well, maybe you can take them on your journey with you, but don't let the naysayers keep you down. You have to step away from that and say, that's not who I'm going to be anymore if that's who you are at the moment. I hope that by listening to this, we try to keep the the summaries to a minimum. Uh, yeah. You know, there, so there's a lot more to the book than what we're covering here. Um, I hope that, you know, at least like it, it whets your appetite so that you're going to say, you know, I, I do want to read more about what it says there. It's it's right. a good read and you can really get a lot out of it. And, and even like if you read it more than once, like you right. get new lessons every single time. I said in the beginning that, you know, of course, the book is about making money, becoming rich. But I see the book as so much more in terms of reaching goals that maybe have absolutely nothing to do with making money. To me, it's really inspirational that it gives that blueprint of what steps do I need to take and what do I exactly need to do to reach the goals that I have, whether they are financial goals or totally unrelated goals. That's it for this episode, folks. Thank you for listening. And if it was helpful to you, please click the like button and follow us so that you can listen to more of our podcast. You can also visit us at urbanhood.org to learn more about our other programs. We hope you'll check in with us again. And until then, keep learning and do whatever it takes to reach financial freedom and follow your dreams.